Oh, got your glow sticks. Oh, yes. I, not, I actually like it. You uh, are, but you've got a bit of a hard house background. I'm wearing you? rave pants you right are. now. You <laughs> are. <laughs> well, look, we'll keep that one on the short list. I don't mind it. Not, well, I don't know. I feel uneasy about actually settling on something. It's been such a journey to get to the point where we are. Maybe, but maybe we're just getting worn down by it. We're just agreeing to anything now. Yeah. We'll get our walk-on song sorted. Yeah. Really? yeah. We might even be zeroing in on it. Well, maybe that'll be in the, the, the final contenders. Hello and welcome to the Cars God podcast where we tear down, pressure test and rebuild the issues of the Automotive Week. I'm James and with me are Richard. Hello. And M4. G'day. This week we'll look at tough trucks, a new Commodore, racing sports cars around the clock at Mount Panorama and plenty more. But first, Musquatch. Yep, he's actually done it. Our old mate Elon has fired a Tesla Roadster into space. Um, I would argue increasing space junk in the process. Mm. Uh, But on a journey to Mars, complete with a spacesuit-clad Starman driver. And one of the car's circuit boards is printed with the words, Made on Earth by Humans. So this is one promise that Elon's kept. What do you think, Richard? I'm so excited. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I told Elon that it was all over between us because <laughs> of the, the diner idea that he has for his charging stations. And uh, James, Matt, I'm in love again. Oh, my oh. God. You've, this is the best. This is so good. We have the Kool-Aid kept in, he, in this <laughs> office anyway. Seriously, Elon is going to drag us kicking and screaming into the future whether we're ready or not. <laughs> okay. I'm, That's good. I admire, yeah. I admire yeah. your positive attitude. <laughs> Um, what do you think, M4? Um, look, I think he's... Yes, he has kept a promise. He, he did say a little while ago that he was going to send yeah. a Tesla, his own Tesla, Tesla Roadster to the Mars world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Otherwise known as Mars. Yeah, yeah. so I don't, I don't know. I mean, good I th- on him. Good I on saw him. the pictures online and I thought, actually, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I surprised myself with how yeah. I reacted to it. But look, on the on the positive side of the ledger as well, um, another deal with the South Australian government yep. already installed mm-hmm. some backup, you know, battery capacity for that state, which has had a, a rocky past in terms of uh, consistent power supply. So now Tesla's done a new deal to supply ultimately fifty thousand homes with solar panels and batteries for free uh, to build what's claimed to be the world's largest virtual power plant. So mm-hmm. these installations will actually feed back into a grid. So it will reduce the individual household's power bill and also increase overall production. Mm. So it'll be a trial, 100 homes by June 30, another 1,000 in the following 12 months, then 24,000 housing trust-type properties, Mm. and then it'll be opened up. The other half will go to South Australian households. Sounds like an amazing deal. Absolutely. And I read uh, another story recently talking about how much Tesla Inc. is, is, is hemorrhaging. Um, apparently, they've had to address the shareholders regarding that. You know the constant, incredible. You know, uh, the, the profit failures, failures they're having. The financial um, plug. The financial yeah. plug is, is open. Yeah, the, it's pouring out. Apparently, it's being addressed. Um, mm-hmm. 2018 is expected to be the turnaround year. Model Three is going to roll out. Um, they're experiencing bottlenecks in their Gigafactory, mm. um, which is producing the batteries. Too many gigas. Um, too many gigas. Not mm. enough factory. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And uh, once those are addressed, um, things are going to be apparently back on track again. Okay. Um, and straight after that launch, actually, Elon announced he's always quick to move on to the next thing. He is. Um, he announced That's that part of his um, character. even larger rocket is going to be built. Uh-huh. Um, and this one is going to send, it can, it'll have the capacity to send up to 100 people to Mars. Um, it's been called the BFR, which is the big f-ing rocket. Whoa! The, so the big, I thought it was, stood, stood more for the big Falcon rocket because they've got their Falcon Heavy. So this would be the super heavy. That's right. Yeah, wow. the super heavy one. 100 people to Mars. 100 people to Mars. I wonder what the selection process will be. You're putting your hand up, Richard. I'd like I, to I go. See, yeah, you would. I'd like to go. Yeah. But it, then it's probably a you're not coming back. It's a one-way. Yeah. It's one-way. I'm, one I'm fine with that. I, <laughs> I would not be okay with that. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what's here? <laughs> okay. Well, look, happily, happily, we are onto it. Our weekly updates is keep, keeping people appraised of what's going on in the weird and wacky world of Elon Musk. So we'll revisit again next week. That's it for Musk Watch. Fantastic. Two new product news. Um, this week, our very own crafty adventure editor for Cars Guide has been up in Thailand where Ford was orchestrating the global launch of its Ranger Raptor, which, as the racy name implies, is a pumped-up, more macho version of the Ranger. Um, it's been in, been unveiled. He was there. It was just a static launch. He hasn't driven the vehicle just yet. But uh, initial impressions are around the fact that it's going to be available with a two-litre twin-turbo diesel engine up front while there was some expectation that there might be something a little more muscular um, under the bonnet. M4, what's what's your mail on that? Yeah, look, I think uh, people had predicted that there might be something more grunty than the diesel that they've shown, but it's still got 500 newton metres of torque from a two-litre engine. It does, it's pretty yeah. strong. How many kilowatts? 250, though? No, it's 156. Oh. Yeah, so seems low on mm. kilowatts, but, um, I mean, when you compare that to a Amarok, it's uh, not too bad at mm. all. Yeah. 10-speed um, automatic. Yeah, 10-speed auto. pretty impressive. Yeah. But uh, two-and-a-half tonne towing, which could be a bit of a question mark for a few buyers. But then again, you're not really buying this car if you are a hardcore... Hardcore tower. Yeah, I would say this is a toy. It's about a tonne underneath mm. the, yeah. the kind of class I would I would argue that hardcore towers would be the, uh, the main market for it. Hardcore towers? No, you would? I'm being rude. Okay. Um, I think that what we're waiting for... Are you for- taking your shoes and socks off? <laughs> you're talking about... You're talking about toes. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara's looking at me with hardcore, a, with a hardcore frustrated toes. look. Okay. Um, what, what I want to know is it looks it looks fantastic. Mm. It's it's massive. It's 5.3 meters long. Plus, yeah. um, it's wider than regular Ranger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that two liter engine concerns me. Um, mm. There is thought that the V6, which is in the F150, will yeah, crafty, possibly crafty be coming been out. digging around as he sidles yeah. up to people and and mm. kind of prizes information out of them. He reckons rumors abound that that engine which is 336 kilowatts mm. uh, and 690 newton metres may find its way uh, under the bonnet of the Raptor. Now, that'd be something. That'd be mm. more appropriate, I reckon, for that vehicle. Yeah, but it's mm. not unusual for brands to introduce uh, sportier-looking utes with extra styling stuff that don't have any extra power, mm. like there's going to be the HSV um, Sports Cat Tolerado. TRD Hilux. <coughs> yeah. Um, that kind yeah. of stuff. It's a yeah. thing that happens. You yeah. just have to accept so, it. Mm. our guess, it hasn't been announced yet, but... Crafty's putting it around $75,000 as, as the cost of entry hmm. uh, a lot. for that vehicle. I think it's so, fair. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah, because five grand. People, people don't stop themselves when they you know they buy a $65,000 Ranger Wildtrak and then spend $30,000 on accessories. 
Um, yeah. This mm. this isn't going to stop anyone, and it's in fact, I think it'll be hugely popular. Well, funnily mm. enough, it it bears an uncanny resemblance to a lot of the highly modified ranges that you see Already getting seen. around mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's an aftermarket grill that you can mm. buy that has the big Ford lettering and cross US 150 style yeah. and, and uh, all of that. So, yeah, it's not a bad point mm. that it probably people can keep their hands in their pockets for that kind of aftermarket mm. stuff. And if you, wanna really made. if you want to see it do some cool jumps, um, watch our video on Facebook. Cool, cool jumps or sweet jumps? I, uh, I think it's more sick sweet. Jumps. Sweet, sick, sick jumps. Sick jumps. Okay. Yeah. I, I think they're cool. But um, <laughs> yeah, he, the uh, the driver uh, when he comes out and shows the thing off on stage, he does a few jumps, and like, it looks just, like he just jumps up and down. No, or no, is it no, 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 the, the truck car, as well. The car. Um, wow. And it, it looks uh, it looks like it settles itself pretty well. I mean, it's got heavily modified suspension. It's got a pretty coat, tricky so. suspension in there. Yeah, yeah that's so. been the, one of the massive announcements. Actually, those um, well, no leaf springs in the back, mm-hmm. coil coils the there, back, but so, yeah. but also a, a kind of hydraulic management system yeah. that's mm-hmm. really from rather Fox clever racing. Yeah, um, Fox yeah, racing. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, if you want to see it, if you want to see the jumps, the cool jumps, yeah, jumps. Um, go to our Facebook page and check it cool. out. Now, speaking of new product, uh, another significant one is a new Holden Commodore. And in times past, it really would be uh, a big milestone event. Commodore isn't exactly the car that it, that it was in the past. So our, our main man, Mal, uh, editor of Cars Guide, has been down in Victoria. Um, we'll, we'll, his story will be upcoming. What we can rely on currently is some impressions we got from driving prototypes down in, in Lang Lang. And look, the car looks contemporary, but I would say kind of unremarkable. Mm. It, it's clean enough, but it doesn't set any new kind of uh, benchmarks or standards for design. One of the things that stayed with me for a long time is when you said at the launch, you walked right past I it. I did. Yeah, that, that's saying something. Yeah, like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's inoffensive, but mm. unremarkable. So mm. that's a subjective thing, and it's going to um, you know affect different people different ways. It is demonstrably smaller, mm. uh, but it feels full size yeah. inside. Uh, the space efficiency is pretty good. There's a two liter four cylinder petrol, and these prototypes included a two liter diesel as well. Right. I think that's made it to market, yep. so that's happening. Uh, and then you've got a 230 kilowatt V6, and you start to get the option of all wheel drive. And in driving the car, admittedly on Holden's home turf, it was their Lang Lang proving ground in Victoria. The local tuning of the suspension to me felt like a big success because mm-hmm. they, in fact, had a European spec car that had come straight off the Opel production line without any local tuning and the difference was quite apparent. So to me, it felt comfy and capable but nothing groundbreaking, you know. I I actually spoke to a Holden dealer yesterday and he told me that he'd driven both of the the cars, the V6 and the 2.0-litre turbo, and he thought that the two liter turbo was the better engine and will sell better than yeah. the six. Yeah. So it's going to be. Um, I mean, that's going to mark a shift in yes. Commodore buyer mm. as it is. Front wheel drive though. Yeah. I mean, are, do Australians care? It's a do mega, Australians it's a mega no? shift. I, I think. Mm. You know, modern Australia doesn't care. Mm. Uh, times past, you'd be using your sedan or wagon to tow. Yeah. Now you've got an SUV or you, you've got something else to do that job. And that's why, really, the, the diminishing um, importance of cars like the Holden Commodore and the Ford Falcon came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that shift happened. 
and you'd think, oh, Commodore, big deal. It's it's going to be one of many now. You know, yeah. it's a hatchback. It's a two-litre front-wheel drive car, and it, it doesn't have a unique kind of positioning. If you, if you want to hear the sound of the V6, I think Mal's on Instagram, and he's done a quick Insta video of him revving the engine. Oh, okay. Um, and it sounds really good. Yep. Like, it sounds like it's got a bit of grunt. Like, it sounds fierce. Right. Um, okay. But, yeah. All right. Well, Mal's, Mal's words will be up and available uh, in the near future, mm. so keep an eye out for that at Cars Guide. Now, the third plank of our new product uh, run around, Richard, you've been uh, jeeping. You've, you've gone to drive the new Compass. Jeep Compass, yeah. This is a, uh, a new generation Compass. Uh, the Compass sort of fits in Jeep's lineup between the Renegade. So it's bigger than the Renegade, but it's smaller than the Cherokee. Um, but it actually looks like a mini version of the Grand Cherokee. It looks really good. Um, now, I was a bit sort of sceptical going in. I wasn't sure what I was going to be driving in terms of drive and feel and ride and handling, um, but I was impressed okay. um, and super impressed by the um, off-road component we did. Right. Uh, again, I was thinking, um, this is looks tough. Um, it's got red tow hooks on the trail hook, sort of more off-road capable one, but they took us up some places where I thought they were being pretty ambitious okay. and um, it wriggled its way through without anything falling off Great, uh, with anyone getting stuck. So, so the open mind that you went into it with, mm. did you have a, a kind of the hat on saying this is going to be a four-wheel drive? So, you know, you had a certain expectation uh, in terms of... No, well, see, the thing is most of the SUVs in this small SUV category are only city-based. Yeah. So they look like a four-wheel drive. They look, you know, they look, they look tough, but really they're a car underneath. Sure. Um, so I was just... Looking at the the compass, thinking this is the same type of thing, but we spent right. more time off road than we did on the road. All right, really well, impressed. I'd recommend that people go and have a look at the video that Richard's uh, you know starred in. In fact, he he co-stars as well. Yes, uh, <laughs> I won't say any more, but uh, but have a look. It's an innovative way of uh, covering the bases on different models. But mm. check that out. I think it's well worth it. But now, a word from our good friends at Winton Motor Company. Australian performance drivers love their cars, and the performance car they love the most is the one that's done it all. From the Mount Panorama Winner's Circle to your driveway, all roads lead to Winton. The 2018 Winton Turbo now features an even more potent version of the powerhouse Redback two-stroke V9 Turbo, backed up by the latest generation version of our patented Torque Tumbler transmission technology. Once you eye it and try it, we guarantee you'll buy it. Australia's Winton Turbo. Inspiration is standard. Torque Tumbler Transmission. Available at extra cost. Wheels and tyres sold separately. Batteries not included. Consult your Winton dealer for final pricing. Where's Frosty, you may ask, after hearing that? Um, Now, he, of course, is a friend of the show. He's head of media relations at... Winton Motor Company. Richard, you said you, you saw him at the Bathurst I, 12 Hour. Yeah, look, I was at the Bathurst 12 Hour on the weekend um, and I was in the car park. Um, we went and did a bit, little little video in the car park and I spotted what I thought was a Winton taillight and uh, sort of walked walk, walk down between the row of cars in the VIP car park. And who did I see? But yeah. who had their leg out the door? Yeah. And, you know, I know it's you know, not... not Winton Turbo is unmistakable for a no. start. Cigarette yeah. hanging out of his mouth. Oh. There was Frosty. He's on the gas buzzer. Already. Oh, he was trying to give that up. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, I think he was sneaking one off in the car park. Well, right? I mean, he and the 12-hour do have a, a pretty long history. Yes. yes. In that um, he was behind the scenes mover and shaker with the Bathurst 24-hour, which mm. was in the, the early noughties. Mm. Uh, he still wants to increase the race time. Richard, he had a word in your ear he about He had a word that. in my my ear. Yeah, look, um, we had a chance to speak. Um, he wants to do the Bathurst 72 hours. 72 hours, so three, yeah. three, three days <laughs> three straight. Three days straight. Yeah, wow. One driver, one driver. One driver, three days straight. It becomes more of a competition to stay awake than just race. Yeah. Um, but, that, you know, that's what he, that's, but that's frosty. That's how he thinks. It's like a dance contest where the last people are actually falling asleep on the dance floor. That's wow. Right. You might have That's to have right. like airbag barriers around the entire <laughs> like, track. Like That's bumper balls, like bumper ball Bathurst. Exactly. That's a good idea. Yeah. You should do that. Three days straight of bumper car racing around Mount Panorama. That would be fantastic. That would be awesome. <laughs> so, but look, besides the um, interlude with Frosty Richard, you were there for the race. Yep. What, did, what did you make of it? What were your impressions? Was it your first time? It was my first Twitter? time. Okay. Been to the Bathurst 1000 a squillion times. Um, this was my first Bathurst 12 hour. I was expecting. Um, a, a much more posher event, um, and I found pretty much the same. A lot of, in a lot of cases, the same people who go to a Bathurst one thousand to spectators were there for the twelve hour oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, still, people at the top of the mountain, all camping out with all the rescues on, you know. on the cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. So they were there too. Um, yeah, what? What I didn't expect was for the day to go so quickly. Um, it began at four forty-five in the morning. Um, we were up at you know three o'clock in the morning to get there, um, and then it finished at about quarter to five in the afternoon. Yeah, so yeah. it was it was a long it was twelve obviously twelve hours, yeah. but it didn't feel like it. In fact, it got down to the last hour, and I was at the top of the mountain. I had to scramble to get back down again so I could see the cars cross so the, the line, finish, yeah. and I was running out of time. I wanted it to be longer. So you're expecting it to feel premium because the brands that are involved yeah. in the racing, you've they're all Bentley, pretty upmarket you've got things. Yeah, BMW, you've got Audi. Um, we were there as guests of Audi, and I, I was expecting a really, you know, a high end feel. And there is, like, you know, there's, there's, you know, AMG GTs racing in Bentleys, and yeah. of course there is. But there's also Mazda threes. Yeah, yeah right. Um, racing too. So yes, it yeah. was great. It How'd was they so go good. up against the Bentleys? With the Mazda threes, giving a good race for my, You know, one of my favourite cars because they roll past sounding like a V8 supercar. They were hilarious. <laughs> this tiny little massive wow, sound going, <laughs> fantastic. Great. Yeah. Oh, that that's beatboxing, Richard. That just you know came out there. <laughs> okay. And um, but and speaking of Bathurst and Mount Panorama, last time round we spoke briefly about the development of a new circuit, uh, and my homework was to go and investigate that. Uh, we know that it's called Velocity Park. It'll be partly funded by the New South Wales government to the tune of about fifteen million dollars. Bathurst City Council by uh, another 27, um, and it's going to sidestep the resident access issues that mm. plague the main Mount Panorama circuit. Um, it's also the cost of hiring that big track puts it out of um, many people's uh, scope, so it'll it'll bring that on board, and a bid to get motorcycle racing back to Bathurst. Mm. Um, so uh, a pitch for the MotoGP in the, the late 2020s, that seems on the cards. I'm going to talk to, I wasn't able to talk to him before today, but I'm going to talk to the Mayor of Bathurst Regional Council, um, Graham Hanger, and, and get the details from him as to where things are at, because there's some Commonwealth funding to be forthcoming as well. How, I mean, will that change the complete layout of the track? It'll be, um, as I understand, it'll be discreet. It's going to be about four and a half kilometres long, and it'll have 14 corners, and the current proposal says that you can configure that into nine different um, arrangements, so you can actually make nine different circuits from the one big 
jigsaw of a racetrack, if you like. So there won't be a cutting, a skyline, a forest elbow anymore, or anything like that. Or a no, it'll be someone else's elbow. It'll 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 <laughs> no, be a seriously? completely different track. They can't do that. No, yeah, it's a different place. Now stuff the residents. <laughs> yeah. No, well, look, it, Richard, the Mount Panorama circuit is not going to be bulldozed and made into pasture. That stays there. Oh. This is a second one. Oh, it's somewhere else. Yeah, That's the other side I was one. thinking. I saw the leaf one. just wash oh, over Oh, yeah. So they're going to keep... It's on the western side of Mount Panorama. Oh, thank God. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> well, at least we brought Richard up That's, to speed. That's well, fantastic. Next, next time, you might, might be able to, to clarify the podcast. it even further, James, <laughs> with, with your interview. That's right. You're going to be speaking to the mayor who, who, who yeah. answers the questions himself. I'll get him to give you a call as well. Oh, that'd be good. So just for a, a quick kind of filler-upper yeah. on what's happening. Send him and, the Google map. And I don't know about you guys, but speaking of motor racing, uh, this week Jaguar announced that they're going to build the last 25 D-type racing cars that were always intended to be produced but never were. The original number was to be 100, um, and that car was obviously hugely successful. It won three Le Mans classics from 1955, 56 and 57. Uh, They only built uh, the 75. Now they've said, well, we're going to fill in that gap and build the last 25 using the original blueprints, all of the knowledge that they have on board. I just find that, for some reason, extremely satisfying. What what do you make of it? How good is Jaguar and Land Rover being about their history? Yeah, it's really great. There's a a massive focus from the British brands to look back at what they've done in the past and, you know, maybe reinvigorate people into thinking about buying a Jaguar or a Land Rover over one of the German competitors. I mean... in having a brand with so much heritage, but then being on the leading edge as well in terms mm. of developing new technology, that's mm. magic. You know, mm. that, is, that is a really full and magical brand. When you've got that long backstory and you're looking so far ahead, that's really special. Plus, they're making use of tooling and resources that they might not otherwise be able to use true. with their newer cars. That's so, true. And people with expertise that maybe they might not want to be retrained into the new world. Mm. Now, so. the, the, you, can, you can order either a 1955-style short nose or you can have your car as the 56-spec longer nose. So um, that's amazing. It comes on the back of them having built nine XKSSs, which was the road-going yep. version of the D-Type <clears throat> anyway, that were tragically <clears throat> burned in a fire um, partway through completion. So they've filled that little gap. And they also uh, built six lightweight Jaguar E-Types Types. that now, were never built in period. From memory, that was because they had, was it six VIN numbers left over? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. And they applied yeah, yeah, the yeah. VIN numbers to those cars. That's it's it. absolutely So they're legitimate. Yeah. It's not like they they've are. gone, oh, let's do an extended run. They still had six dedicated VIN numbers for the rest of the E-Types. Exactly, and mm. they're not going to do any more, meaning that the mm. people that own the earlier D-Types, yeah. the value of their cars won't be uh, diminished in any way. It's just fulfilling their original commitment. Is that is the new D-type uh, planned similar to that E-type before with the VIN numbers left over? Where the I presume so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But you'd have to presume that would be the case. Yeah. And look, with D-types pulling around an average $3 million, yeah. um, at the moment, it'll be interesting to see mm. what people ultimately pay for these new cars. It's kind of the equivalent of a Jurassic Park thing where they reclone the dinosaur. Like, yeah. Because they don't build the D-type from modern materials. It's all it's done. It's all buried in amber. <laughs> and all you have to do is split <laughs> right. that block apart and start the car It's up. dangerous, though. Once those D-types get out there, though, <laughs> you, don't, you can't stop yeah, yeah. them. The fences come down, oh, D-types yeah. are at you. D for dinosaur. Well, there's yeah, also yeah. Um, our colleagues at Oversteer... Um, Made a fantastic story. There's a video on there that explains the whole background to it. 
Um, it's fantastic. And speaking of oversteer, now a word from our Fuller Bean friends at Oversteer. When you're done listening to these old farts ramble on... Can I tell a story? Come and listen to the Oversteer podcast, where we talk about the stuff that kids love. Story time with Mitchie Boy. Yeah, because if I don't try, I will fail. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know on, how mate. you roll into a petrol station and you're like... Would you rather be designated driver for a group of kids on a sugar high or a group of super drunk adults? Yes, the Oversteer podcast has everything, and you can find it on the Cars Guide website, iTunes, and where all good podcasts are sold. Oh, those guys. Oh, those guys. They're I don't just... know. They had the diggitus, but I still like them. That's true. I think they're on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> now, wow. M4, Accusation. It's, it's great that you're with us because you're on to the fact that BP's been rolling out some mobile electric charge points in the UK. What does that mean and what are the implications for Australia? Well, unfortunately, it looks like there won't be any uh, impact on Australia in terms of having electric charge points at uh, service station forecourts. That's what the the whole strategy is that, you know, they'll offer different fuel types for different people with different cars in the same place. Um, By having them as mobile units, it means they don't have to hardwire anything in, uh, which means they can move with the infrastructure according to demand exactly so yeah. if by you know, mobile you just mean they're on wheels it's a trailer yeah um, yeah a big battery on a trailer um <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's uh, it's a really smart move i think from bp they're investing in the company that's doing it and um i can't remember their name at the moment but it's it's a great move i think they've they've done a um a bit of research into the fact that people will want to be able to charge and have convenience mm-hmm. at the same time i mean we've we've seen that um supermarkets and you know convenience stores are the real reason people go to the servo these days yeah. the amount of money that like i think the the profit they make service stations yes. make is more from, from the groceries from the lollies all of that stuff just out of service station sunglasses alone hey. killing it well you own several pairs i yeah. do and you mm. you're partial to a servo pie as well oh i love a pie yeah, for yeah, a servo anyway. um, <laughs> but <laughs> as a punter do you know m4 would i hook up my car and i pay it's it's you know, I don't know that. Um, yeah. I don't think they've released that information yet. They're just but getting the tech out there. Yeah, they yeah, know so they've got to be into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think they are going to look at doing it in Australia if it's if it's successful and if you know there's more incentives for Australians to buy electric cars at the moment. There aren't any, but in the UK and Europe, mm-hmm. which is where this program is going to roll out. Firstly. Yeah. That's where the incentives are. That's where the governments are saying, hey, we've got to do something about the emissions in our area, Mm. so let's put some money into people's pockets. Well, also, you think about the point you made about groceries being a big seller for these service Mm. stations. If you're a Tesco or a major kind of grocery chain in the UK, you want to have charging bays in Mm -hmm. your car park to make sure that electric drivers can easily access your store. Well, it totally makes sense, doesn't it? It's a a fuel station anyway, and fuel doesn't have to be... Petrol. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. So it makes sense that, you know, you where you traditionally just fill it up on petrol, you can also charge your car. Yeah. Um, but what I want to know is, is there a danger of the charges being too close to the fuel? Probably. Mm. I would imagine that they'd be... They'd have done a wall. Their, they have a wall. Someone... someone Mexico. <laughs> someone on a much higher pay scale than any of us <laughs> yeah. will have thought about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'd hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we've got a few minutes left. We'll do a quick whip around. So um, a minute or so from, from each of you guys on what you've been driving this week. Richard. 
I've been driving a BMW X5. It's the X-Drive 40D, big diesel. The big engine. Um, big engine. Uh, I picked up a King single bed last night. Managed to fit the bed in. At the bed. A, a the king size? Single bed. bed. So the bed frame. Oh, a king single. Yeah, Not king a king single. size bed. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was about to say. No, so king, king single mattress. Right. Um, and um, I'm not getting a divorce, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, it's, it's for my son. You're not living you wouldn't on it anyway. <laughs> yeah. You are living in the car. It became you? basically it became a shagging and wave because <laughs> you put this, braiding around the windows. Yeah, and the Sandman mural yeah, on I'll the side. Let BMW know to get the blue light out. For that. So <laughs> oh yeah, this if is the X5's rocking. Don't yeah. come. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, so, so yeah, that's pretty pretty that was, good. Yeah, that's been fun. Um, it's very powerful. I've, I've enjoyed enjoyed spearing it around the city. Um, yeah, but yeah, I've been holding on to that for a while, so enjoying it. M4, what's what's been your transport? I've had uh, two different vehicles this week. I've yep. been in the Volkswagen Tiguan Adventure, which we've published the review of. Yep. Um, I was really impressed with that car. It's, yes. It's a terrific car. I took it off-road, even though it's not really an off-roader. Uh, it did fairly well. And the other car I've been driving is the Holden Barina, right. which... You know, yeah, they still sell it. Okay, um, and I don't in know whether they should your, be. In terms of your feedback, how about those swans, eh? Mm, amazing. Yeah, not loving it. Um, <laughs> okay. It's, I mean, the marketplace in the light car segment is uh, pretty fierce. Sure. And there's no room for stragglers, and it seems yep. like this is a bit of a straggler. Well, talking of that market, I've been in the Toyota Yaris um, in an SX. Um, order the SX is the mid-spec level car, so it steps up from a 1.3 to a 1.5 liter petrol engine, and it's under twenty thousand dollars before mm. on-road costs. And it's five-star ANCAP. It's got a reversing camera, um, nav. It has a leather um, trim steering wheel and gear knob. And you get in and go, wow, you know, this is a nineteen and a half thousand dollar car. It doesn't have a lot of performance, and ours was a kind of pulsing bright yellow, oh. which which was a, a fairly confronting colour. <laughs> I call it pine lime splice. Pine lime splice, <laughs> yeah. it was. But mm. um, as a proposition to just drive in traffic, and that's where I was um, most of this week, just to and fro, it was painless. You know, it, you'd always love a little more from those smaller cars. You'd love a little more get up and go, mm. but not a lot. Mm. I, I thought it was pretty good. Mm. I, I enjoyed the experience. Yeah, Speedo still in the centre. No, no, no. It's mm. more in the in the front bit there. Yeah. I think that yeah. was Echo, wasn't it? Had that? Did that oh, transfer? I think it transferred over to Yaris. First, okay. first, first one, yeah. Yaris. That yeah, they yeah. Came out. All right. The, uh, it's been. It's how long it's been since I've been in Yaris. Wow. Mm. We should get him into one. Happy to stick in the X5. Now. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look. On that note, we have indeed reached the finish line. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. And M4. Thank you. Thanks too to our producer Barbara on the panel. He always dresses to impress. We just don't know who. <laughs> and thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show or anything else that's on your mind. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Please subscribe and would really help the podcast if you rate and reviewed us on iTunes. It helps spread the word. Please do it now. Please do, do it. it. Please. Do it now. Do Please. it now. Do it now. What do you think of it? Thank you. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, if you had to choose between unlimited fuel and perfect love, what's the first place you'd drive to? (laughs) 